Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to our show. Uh, we are now on the last few verses of uh, chapter 8. And so um, I hope you will bear with us. Lou, are you there? I am here. How are we doing this morning? I'm good, Lou. How are you? Very good, very good. As I, as I was telling you before the show, and I want to alert everybody who gets to this episode, all these episodes are up on YouTube now. And uh, I found it fascinating as I was going through putting them up, and I had 20 or so ups of the last 60 episodes, putting the write-ups with these and just seeing the journey that we've gone through over all <laughs> these episodes and just uh, the concepts. and everything. It was a nice refresher for me. And it's just, it's just amazing the ground we've covered in this. Yeah, it's true. You know, my wife was just saying to me uh, yesterday, she says, how many episodes do you have up now? And I said, 90. Yep. She said, 90. I can't believe it. And I find it hard to believe it's been such a long time. And I have to say to everybody that Lou has been phenomenal. Lou, I could not have done this without Lou. Uh, Lou, I can't do, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So thank you for arranging this, putting it up, managing it managing the whole thing with youtube and with facebook podcasts all of that thank you lou yeah you're, you're more than welcome and it's been a reward in it for me this has been a great journey and i'm enjoying the study and uh, uh, learning about this stuff our last episode about the galactic center and the yugas was very well received lots of interaction at the facebook page uh gita the memoirs of a psychiatrist and we love the interaction right yeah thank you uh yes ep episode 89 for those of you who haven't seen it is what uh uh, Lou is referring to is that about the center of the galaxy around which our sun revolves. Many people didn't know that the sun actually revolves. We we all know that we revolve around the sun, but the sun revolves around the galactic center. And this is something that our forefathers in the scriptures, in the Gita and the Upanishads, had told us thousands and thousands of years ago. So that's quite interesting. Yes, we got like many 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 thousands of hits on that yeah yeah lots of hits but lots of interaction people asking questions making comments uh getting involved in the conversation which is what we really like and it's difficult on the podcasts i know but if you go to the facebook page where the videos are there if you're only familiar with us through podcasts we have videos up of all these episodes uh go there and leave questions leave comments in the comment section or send a direct message and uh Chad uh, loves to deal with those comments and stuff. It's great. I do. Uh, but rather than direct message, I always prefer that you put it on the Facebook uh, yeah. message so that other people can benefit it from benefit from it also. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, there was a, I was having a discussion with my girlfriend's 15 year old daughter, and it was a whole wide ranging discuss discussion about something that she was dealing with and the Akashic records. Akashic records, yes. Yeah, yeah came up involved in this. And I thought this was somewhat related to this. Is this the beginnings of the, uh, are these the scriptures that the Gita kind of coalesces together? No, okay. no, the Akashic records are different. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that your girlfriend's daughter knew about the Akashic records and I'm wondering how she heard about them. The first time the United States and the world heard about the, the Western world heard about the Akashic records were from Edgar Casey. And that's a whole fascinating story. We could probably do 90 episodes on, a, on Edgar Casey alone. But he had never been outside the United States and only got like a third grade education. So you can't even say he got it from reading or going outside the country. This was maybe 150 years ago. And he was a farmer's son. And he put himself into a trance and he was able to pick out all kinds of things from the past and 
foretell the future and he could just get somebody's date of birth and be able to tell uh, what was wrong with him, his maladies. He was able to come up with cures for things that we don't even know today. And when somebody asked him, where do you get this from? And he said, I get them from the Akashic Records, mm-hmm. A-K-A-S-H-I-C. And Akash means in Sanskrit, either ether or sky, the atmosphere around us. And he said that there are records up there. And obviously this man knew nothing about Sanskrit or Hindu right. scriptures or whatever. So many of the words he used were Sanskrit words and Akashic was one of them. And, and he also said that uh, he mentioned Akasha and uh, it's on the tip of my tongue all the other words he used. Uh, but he believed very strongly in this. Uh, and although he was a devout Christian, uh, he believed in reincarnation. Yep. Interesting. It's a fascinating little subject we should dig into at some point. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do a field trip. Yeah, right. Field trip <laughs> would be good. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get to verse 23 of uh, chapter 8. And in verse 23, Krishna says, I will tell you. Indeed, the time in which yogis departing never return, and also the time that they do return. Now, these from verse 23 to 28 talk to us and tell us what happens to a human being after he or she dies. What happens? Now, we know that the majority of us are going to die, and sorry, majority of us after we die, we're all going to die. (laughs) But the majority of us, after we die, come back to this world. There are a small select few who, after they die, go to what the scriptures at that time called Pitralok or some other loka. And the scriptures are divided into many different kinds of lokas. Loka is a planet or a level of consciousness. We're not sure if it's a planet that the soul, the the, um, Atman goes to, or it's just a level of consciousness that they uh, uh, achieve, uh, acquire. But that when they do good things, they go to that and then come back to this earth, or those that go who never come back. So that's what these verses talk about. And that's, it's very, very interesting. I will tell you indeed the time in which yogi is departing from this earth, from Mm -hmm. life, never return, and also the time that they do return. So the whole concept that we have to recognize is that everything on this earth is determined by cause and effect. And we all know what cause and effect means. Right. So for instance, if you act in a with selfish vasanas, selfish desires, you will create, no doubt about it, further selfish vasanas and desires. Now, we can see this from our sensual desires and vasanas. Right. So, each, so when I say sensual, we have five senses and our mind is a big sense. That's the sixth one. When we act for our sensual desires, sensual meaning, let's say the tongue says, I like the taste of this particular thing um, or the whole body gets into a sensual experience with a physical interaction for the whole body where all senses are involved. Mm-hmm. The body then says, whoa, that was amazing. That was great. I want it again. So what has happened is 
you indulged in that sensual experience. And now, because you indulged in it and it felt so heavenly, you say, I want it again. And what happens is, for it just creates more of these desires. That's number one. If you don't get it, but you're hankering after it, craving it, desiring it, then because you didn't get it, you're creating more vasanas because you want that thing that you didn't get. So you see, either way, it's a double-edged sword. When you have a selfish desire, a vasana, you are creating, and this is the cause and this is the effect, you're creating further selfish vasanas and desires. And it's these desires that which want to be fulfilled that causes a person, a human being, to keep having to come back to this mortal earth to fulfill those desires further. And I know we've talked about this before, but it's very, very necessary to, for us to understand this. And these next verses are very important for us to understand this. So let's say you do something good for the community. Mm -hmm. You go and do self-serve charity and you do, you know, you open up an orphanage or a hospital or you do work for uh, somebody that is taking care of the blind and you build a hospital for the blind people. You're doing something really good for it, but you put your name in big letters outside. You are looking to get some desire, something from it. There's a right. desire there. Yes. You did something really good, no doubt, but you always, you were hoping that you get something out of it your name, your fame, a pat on the back, somebody saying good things. Or even if you say, I want to do this so that I can go to, quote unquote, heaven. By the way, Hindu scriptures say there is no such thing as heaven or hell. But it's a concept that when you die, because you have no further desires, if a person has no further desires, then that person's mind and intellect, which survives even death, is at peace and that right. peace is known as heaven heavenliness right. so and the disturbance is what we consider hell in the west that's right so yeah. the, if you go with a lot of uh, desires your mind and intellect even after death has this continuous movement of desires and that's considered hell you're not peaceful after you die right. so the scriptures tell you don't do good as a transaction you know uh recently the president of the usa Trump said, you know, why do these people join the army and then they get killed? What did they get out of it? And it's all very transactional. He says, you know, what should he get out of it? Meaning you'd sacrificed your life for the country and what did you get? You weren't even paid that high is what he was saying. And that's a transactional way of looking at things. If you do something really good for the community, don't do good as a transaction. Mm -hmm. You serve because you ought to do it not to get something out of it. You give because it ought to be given, not because you want some expectation in return or a pat on the back, even just mental satisfaction, pleasure of giving, emotions, that's considered getting something out of it. So the next verse will talk about the uh, path of the sun and the moon. And uh, the path of the sun is considered direct. You go to heaven. Path of the moon is you go, you enjoy it, but then you come back because there were desires. So let's let's talk about that. So one who remembers him at the time of death reaches him. Remember that verse? Yes. Others who have their mind on other lokas keep being reborn. So in that verse, we learned 
that it's not that you think of God as you're dying and you get there. Right. Whatever you've been thinking about your whole life, that's been something that will come up to you at the time of death because you've been thinking about something. We, and it's important to know that we keep getting born again and again. And in each birth, we have quote unquote experiences. Our whole life is one series of experience after the next. As soon as you wake up, you open your eyes, you start to have an experience. When you go to sleep and you're dreaming, you're having an experience. You're in deep sleep, that's an experience. The minute you get out of bed, and you, everything is an experience. We have all been here on this earth. <clears throat> it's hard to believe, but it's true. We have all been here before, in various lives before this. And we've had millions, billions, trillions of experiences in previous lives. We may not remember our previous lives. We don't, majority of us. There are people who say they do, and it's been documented. We can do another 90 episodes on just reincarnation and those episodes. But all these experiences that we don't remember are stored in our mind. It's hard to believe, but they're all there. Those are stored as impressions in our causal body. Now, we've talked about this before, that the outer body, this body here, is called the gross body. Mm -hmm. Inside that is the subtle body. The subtle body is the mind, which has emotions, feelings, the intellect, which decides, is this good or is this good? Should I do this or should I do that? It's just a decision-making thing, the intellect. And then the senses, that's the subtle body. And the causal body is one which causes us to be born. The causal body has these impressions from the past, all our vasanas, impressions and expressions from the present life, and vasanas that are built from the past as well as the present. So when we, when we die, when a person dies, only the gross body is dropped off. It's like a clothes that you say, okay, these clothes are, these are too old. They don't function anymore. Too many right. holes in it. You take your body and you say, I'm out of here. <laughs> and the subtle body and the causal body leave and move on to a new physical, a new gross body. So what this verse says is that you can either go by the path of the sun or the path of the moon or a direct path to heaven. It talks about Pitraloka. Pitra means father. Um, Indraloka. Indra is supposed to be the god of all gods, mm -hmm. the king of all gods, or Swargaloka, which means heaven. So these are all concepts of levels of consciousness. I see. So, yep. so what, what they're saying is that when we die, while we're waiting to pick which family we want to re be reborn in, because we pick it, our mind, our intellect, depending on what karmas you've done, how good you've done, you can pick the family you get to be born to and what kind of a body you get. All of that is determined by your previous actions. And you, when you die, if you have done good, let's take that last one first, which is called Kaivalya Mukti. Kaivalya Mukti is a direct way to liberation. Right. The person has done good karma throughout his life without any desires, without any expectations, that person gains spiritual enlightenment here in this life and now. He becomes liberated while still alive. So people have said that Jesus Christ 
was liberated while on this earth. Gautam Buddha was liberated while on this earth. So many other peoples who go and become enlightened and live in the away from society in the mountains, in the forest. They have gotten Kaivalya Mukti, liberation while on this earth. Mm -hmm. They don't come back. Once they die, they have achieved self-liberation, Nirvana, Mukti. The next two are the path of the sun and the path of the moon. The path of the sun is desire-ridden good deeds which are noble and unselfish. So you do a good deed and it's noble and unselfish, but there's some little bit of desire. I wish I get this. I wish I get fame. I wish I get something out of it. Right. They go to heaven also, to Pitralok, Indralok, Sarvalok. He has punya, as, which is blessings. But, and as long as he has punya, he stays there and then returns back to earth. Now, when he comes back to earth, because he was so good and he's gotten to such a point, he comes back. But... Um, and I'm sorry, if I said this was the sun, uh, this is the moon. Mm -hmm. The person that comes back is from the moon. Okay. Um, he, he, he's done some desire-ridden activities which are noble and unselfish. He goes, he enjoys it, but then he comes back. The one for the sun has been doing selfless service and meditation, but to a certain extent, to a small extent, they have pleasure in what they're doing. They are looking for something. Those people get krama mukti, so they, after they die, enjoy the fruits of their action, and then they get liberated subsequently. So they do get liberated, but it takes a while longer. Right. Verse 24 says, fire, light, daytime, the bright fortnight, the six months of the northern path of the sun, they're departing the knowers of Brahman go to Brahman. So what, again, these people were phenomenal astronomers as we looked in episode 89 yes from 14th january onwards the six months the sun every day as you look at it rising doesn't appear to rise in the same place every time it appears to be moving northward right and that's the northern path of the sun and uh, and from 14th july onwards six months the sun appears to be moving the opposite way the so sun is considered the um source of light and light is considered to be knowledge so the path of the sun is known as the path of knowledge or krama mukti which is getting liberation by doing the right thing even with some small desire of uh, something for it for oneself the path of the moon is considered the path of darkness which is the next verse now as we're doing this remember that this was possibly, and I'm not an expert in this as to Buddha or Buddhism, but I think this was before the time of Buddha. The mm -hmm. Upanishads and the Gita was written before, I think, the time of Buddha. And if you remember, I said that <clears throat> the Brahmins who practiced the Vedas were known as the sun worshippers or Suryavanshis. And the Buddhists were known as the Chandravaushis or moon worshippers. I think. Yeah. And so when, when they say that, you know, the sun worshippers go directly to heaven and stay there, whereas the moon worshippers go to the moon and then come back to the earth, I am wondering whether, to some extent, that's a dig against <laughs> the Buddhists. And I don't know that for a yeah. fact. It's just something that when they, I heard about this sun and moon, I questioned it. 
And as I said before, Lou, in one of our episodes, we saw that the sun worshippers went out of India and established countries that had the sun in the flag. And the moon worshippers, the Buddhists, went and established flags and countries with the moon in it. And to this day, these sun worshippers and moon worshippers are at battle with each other. Because somehow those impressions from millions of lives before are still in their uh, in their causal body. Anyway, verse 25 says, smoke, nighttime, dark, fortnight, the six months of the southern path of the sun, there obtaining the lunar light, the yogi returns. Mm. So again, it says that because you did some good things, but you did it with some desire for something for yourself, you'll go, you'll enjoy it, but it's dark, which means that your vision is blocked. Right. You get a finite benefit from the good deeds that you did once you die. But once that benefit is exhausted and you enjoy that for whatever period you enjoyed it for, you are back to where you started. You come back to this earth. The lunar reflection of the sun is not like the sun. It's not like self-realization. The light of the moon is much less. It is a reflected light, not a direct light. Right. Verse 26 says, these bright and dark paths of the world are verily de deemed to be eternal. By the one path, a man goes not to return. And by the other path, he returns again. Again, he's talking about the path of the sun, the path of light. Seeker goes to heaven or Brahmalok, and he does not return. The path of darkness also leads to heaven, but he returns to the chain of life and death. Right. Now, Verse 27 and 28. These are the last two verses of chapter 8. Knowing these two paths, no yogi is deluded. Therefore, be steadfast in yoga at all times. And verse 28 says, whatever meritorious fruit is assigned to the Vedas, to sacrifices, to austerities and gifts, the yogi rises above all of these by having known this, and goes to the supreme primeval abode. So what this is saying is that the Vedas, the Gita, the scriptures, sacrifices to God, austerities, gifts, all of this is all considered noble practices. You can do it when you're praying. It's not necessary. But it is not the royal road to spiritual enlightenment. We talked about uh, how to get spiritual enlightenment. And we will be talking in chapter 9 about the royal road to spiritual enlightenment. These practices of, of doing things with gifts, austerities, etc. Mm -hmm. um, are to be used as a means to an end. Teaching, for instance, can be, you can be, be caught up in it and just keep going and you know, get pleasure out of it and so on. So right. if, if you're teaching these, and teaching is considered to be the, one of the highest levels of, of doing karma. Uh, you can build a house for somebody with your hands, you can uh, feed somebody, but by teaching somebody, you're reaching at their level of their intellect and supposed to be good. But if you're doing it for getting something out of it, then even that is not considered good. So that's the end of the eighth chapter. Sorry if I went longer than I was supposed to. And uh, next time we'll start on chapter nine. All right. We'll see you in the next episode, chapter nine. Thank you, Lou.